Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Pension B, the flexible pension for the self-employed. They make it easy to contribute as much or as little as you like, as often as you like. Get set up in minutes and then get back to business. And if you've got existing pensions, that's okay. It's easy to bring them together. Start saving for a future beyond being freelance. Download the app or head to pensionb.com. Pension B is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. With investments, your capital is at risk. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For email strategist and copywriter, Nikki Elbaz. I joined a mastermind through Copyhackers, and Joanna Weave, who is like the copywriter of the world, told me that I should write emails. So I listened to her. <laughs> I just started shifting my marketing towards email. So anytime I was doing guest posts or guest webinars or podcasts or any outreach of that sort, it was always focused on email. I was talking about on social media, I shifted very much towards email. So I kind of shifted my focus before I shifted my clients and then just naturally anyone who was coming to me was coming to me through for email. Balance is a verb, it's not a noun. Sometimes you're in balance, sometimes you're out of balance, sometimes you have to figure new things out. This entire seven and a half years or whatever it's been, I don't think there's been six months where things were the same schedule-wise. Like, I'm always shifting. Yeah, so that is Nikki, her story coming up. Um, It's funny, right? Uh, If you follow me on Instagram, at Being Freelance, you will see when I record with certain guests, right? And I had so many people get in touch going, I love Nikki. She's like my email guru and things like that. Uh, She's built up a lot of authority in the email world. And yeah, lots of people going, Nikki, I'll pass. So yes, Nikki's story coming up very soon. Indeed, you can find all of our guests for all 17 seasons, all eight years or whatever it is of the podcast at beingfreelance.com. Or of course, scroll back for your um, podcast app. It's so nice when I get messages saying, I've discovered your podcast and I'm going back and listening to them all. They are all relevant. Remember, it doesn't matter what you do for, you know, your freelance business it's all about the being freelancer please do take a listen to them all if you want to find out more about a particular guest you go to beingfreelance.com there's a transcript there's links through Uh, you can also find the community the course for new freelancers Uh, the merch uh, including the mugs the stickers the clothing like the hoodies and the tees um, details of the community there's loads going on it's not just the podcast so please do come and join others in the community you're not alone being freelancers i always say it's really nice to see everyone in there come find come find us right now though let's crack on shall we chat to this week's guest and that is email strategist and copywriter nikki elbaz hey nikki hello hello thanks for having me as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance all right so i was originally working for an agency in new york a branding agency doing just branding copywriting headlines taglines naming companies fun stuff and all of a sudden, no warning whatsoever, uh, the agency called us all in for meeting the, the head and said, that's it, we're done. Don't come to work tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was a big shock to everybody. 
but it actually came as a huge relief to me because I was actually bringing my baby to work with me. They were amazing about that. And she would just sit and play at the desk next to me um, or sleep on, on me. And she was getting to be about three months old and she was starting to grow up a little bit and not be as happy just sitting and sleeping or playing. And I realized I needed an alternative. You know, I started, you know, I had to start looking into daycare or something and I really didn't want to. Um, so I was kind of at a crossroads point anywhere where I was, you know, thinking maybe I want to go freelance so I could still stay with my baby. Do I want to send her to daycare? Do I want to cut my hours? What do I need to be doing exactly? Um, and then all of a sudden the agency closed. So it was a really good moment for me where it was an opportunity to say, okay, let's do it. We have no choice now. Um, Let's go freelance. And at the same time, my husband and I, we had always had this dream of moving to Israel for a year. I was working for a New York uh, agency and we were living in New Jersey and commuting back and forth. It was a nightmare. And I was thinking, okay, if I'm freelancing anyway, let's, let's try moving for a year and see what happens. You know, I'll freelance for a year and then we'll come back and I'll get a job at a different agency. I'll start applying while, while I'm in Israel. Um, and we are still in Israel and I am still freelancing. So that is how it started. <laughs> well, and for how many years now? Um, I believe seven and a half. Wow. Yes, it does. So both went well, one hopes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you then thought, well, I'll just go freelance because I hate that sounds so easy. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> Did, did you have a website? Did, were people aware you existed? You, you know, like how everybody does now, you know, mm-hmm. if I go to your website, for example, like what was there of Nikki in the world then? That is a great question. Um, I don't think there was much. I think I just started looking at job listings, you know, just like local, you know, I, I got a retainer client doing like social media posts. Yeah, it was the randomest thing. It was like this real, like proper e-commerce store. And they just put like this little, like one line ad in this little periodical, not even, you can't even call it a magazine, a newspaper. It was just like this little circular of ads. And it was like one of the, the text ones. It wasn't even like a nice ad, nothing like that. So I believe that was one of my first. But yeah, I just, I just started responding to these kinds of things and not being very picky about which ones I was working with. And then I also I um, got in touch with a few agencies and asked, you know, do they want to outsource anything? So kind of, you know, filled in all the little spaces with little things until I was finally able to kind of more, yeah, build a reputation, build a website, word of mouth, and, and kind of actually take off. So really your, your first clients came from you either looking at ads, yes. which might not have been a freelance position, but you're saying, well, I can do that for you. Or approaching like cold emailing people saying, hey, have you got anything? Yeah. And referrals were also really helpful, like reaching out to colleagues uh, in my network. It it really helped that I had agency experience because it wasn't just, you know, oh, you're just someone off the streets who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, That really gave me a lot of credibility. So a lot of colleagues felt comfortable um, Mm. referring things on. And then all the, the colder outreach was less cold it was it was like you know oh you're in the agency circle kind of uh, so that that helped as well yeah had you had experience of dealing with clients when you were in the agency no and that was probably the hardest part was learning client management and client boundaries and 
collecting payments, for example. Uh, yeah, so that was that was quite a learning curve. <laughs> How long did would you say it took you to sort of feel confident that perhaps you weren't going to come back after that year and apply for jobs? I feel like after a year was when I was able to see, okay, there's potential here, but it was still hard going. After maybe three years was when I really felt like I had built up something proper that, you know, I felt really confident in that was really working and as well that I could start investing in proper training for client management, uh, networking, um, you know, really being able to like feedback into the business and, and help it grow versus just get it to like a sustainable point where it was feeding my family versus itself. And what was the work that you were doing? So obviously I introduced you as an email strategist and a copywriter. What were you doing then? So I originally started just copywriting. And by that, it was everything from content writing to social media posts to print ads to naming companies. Uh, Naming companies and print ads were probably my favorite. Um, But I really just did anything that anybody wanted. Um, Then I niched into, I kind of pivoted actually more into conversion copy. Um, yeah, because I was working for a creative agency. So a lot of the work was creative copy. Um, and then I switched to conversion copy. I randomly fell into it, found copy hackers online and just like devoured everything that they put out and discovered this world where there was science behind copy. So I got really in love with that and pivoted towards that. So I started doing websites. That's kind of the, the stage where things felt very stable and and where I could start growing uh, was when I kind of moved from creative copy to conversion copy, probably because once I had a science behind it, I felt so much more confident uh, where it wasn't just like, oh yeah, here's a name for you. And I guess I could charge this because I think it's a good name. And I sort of have a process because I worked for an agency and I'm copying their process. Um, So it really was, you know, being able to show that there's ROI and then being able to feel more confident in my abilities and my pricing, uh, all that kind of stuff. So that really helps with the confidence. Um, and then I joined a mastermind through copy hackers. Um, and Joanna Weeb, who is like the copywriter of the world told me that I should write emails. So I listened to her. <laughs> what was her thinking behind that? She spotted something in what you were doing or what you were saying or. Yes. Yeah, so she was running the mastermind. Um, and she gave us a challenge, uh, towards the end of the mastermind to bring in, I believe it was $5,000, in the month, like an extra, like towards the end of the month, I think on the 15th of the month, she was like, okay, I need everyone to bring in an extra $5,000. And we're all like, oh, <laughs> um, so we all failed the challenge. And so she then gave us a bunch of ideas of what we could have done to actually meet that challenge. And one of the things she said was, you always reach out to your network. You talk to me all the time. Why did nobody pitch me? Um, so I pitched her and at the time I was going by my full name and I, I had recently switched to Nikki. Uh, it's just easier to pronounce. And I sent her this email and she thought it was a cold email because she didn't recognize my name. And she was like, who is this person? She's amazing. (laughs) So I totally shocked her. Um, And she she took me up on the project. I did a project with her. Um, And she just said, like, wow, that was that was I thought that was a cold email. And I responded to it. Um, So you you have to write more emails. And then she actually hired me the following, uh, I guess it was a few months later. 
and she became like my best retainer client of the year. Um, it was a great gig because, I mean, first of all, it's copy hackers. It's, it's awesome. I learned so much from them. Um, and it was just fun working for, you know, a really awesome agency, but it was also, it was such a good retainer for me because I felt like I had this network of people and I was working with a lot of people because um, I was kind of like part of the agency, but it was also retainer. And so work-life balance wise, I was able to structure it really well for me. Um, so it was, it was an amazing opportunity that for sure, you know, helped the trajectory as well. So that was just a really amazing experience. And so beyond that, client which sounds amazing how did you then like now you've decided okay I'm going to focus on email how Mm -hmm. did you start to make that happen um I believe I just started trying to hmm, that's a good question actually yeah because I don't know that I said no to other projects after that that were not email I think I just started shifting my marketing towards email so anytime I was doing guest posts or guest webinars or podcasts or any outreach of that sort, it was always focused on email. And I started making products for my list focused on email. I started building my own email list, which I guess, yeah, that was another platform where I could talk about email. Uh, What I was talking about on social media, I shifted very much towards email. So I kind of shifted my focus before I shifted my clients. And then just naturally anyone who was coming to me was coming to me through for email. Ah, yeah, that's it's great to know. And then did you start to get, like, was there a change in your clients? Did you start to get bigger clients or longer-term clients? Like, was what, what else was that shift? Yeah, so one of the biggest reasons I didn't want to go to email, because I always really did enjoy email, was I thought that there wasn't enough email work for a company. That, you know, a company comes and they say, okay, you know, do this email sequence, do this launch sequence for us, and then they don't need any more email work until the next year when they launch that product again, because I was very much in the email world of launches and courses and that sort of email world and less in the SaaS and e-commerce email world, which, you know, email is their bread and butter. They need email work all the time. Um, So that was a fear. Um, And I actually was considering another mastermind that was focused on email right on the heels of the original mastermind. And I just felt like it was just too much at the time. But when I was talking to her, I said, you know, I don't really want to do email. I really want to focus on sales pages. Um, And I brought up this concern with her and she said, no, (laughs) there's no concern there. Um, So that kind of was, you know, an eye open eye opener. Um, And so, yeah, then it became kind of uh, more retainer based work versus, yeah. Like when you do a website, you know, you do the website and, you know, often they will give you other things like, Oh, you know, can you update the product descriptions or, um, you know, actually we want to do a brochure for a trade show. Um, So they kind of will throw more things your way, but it is, you know, you do the website project and you're pretty much done. And yeah, it definitely has shifted more towards retainer work, even if it's not, long-term retainer of, you know, let's say your typical like e-commerce client needs uh, weekly newsletters, just setting up all the email sequences, putting them all into place, all your basic sequences, you know, that's a good solid six months of work, a year of work, um, just getting everything basic in place. So yeah, the packaging had to kind of shift as well. And then, you know, it took some time to figure out exactly how to structure everything and figure out offerings with that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that about pricing, because that strikes me as one thing about conversion copywriting, for example, and you'd hope uh, certain types of email 
writing as well is that perhaps it's easier for you to prove your worth and, mm-hmm. and that, that reflects on what you charge yeah a hundred percent absolutely it's 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 such a relief honestly <laughs> where you know it's not really about you anymore it's about the work um whereas I, I felt very tied with the creative work that it was it was very much selling myself versus selling the work um which is funny because the creative work is the creative work but it's it's a harder it's a harder separation when there's not the the formulas and the scientific principles that conversion copy has when it's just you know your creativity uh it it really is you so Mm. it it was so much easier to feel confident and to to feel confident in the work that I could deliver and also confident in you know because it's 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 a it's an inverse not an inverse relationship it's a kind of a what's the one that goes back and forth <laughs> um, that the, you know, the, the client is investing in you, but you're also investing in the client. You know, you are, you have to prove that you're worth that much. So it was always a little bit of a, a stressor that, you know, I'm charging this price. I need to deliver. How can I guarantee that I'm delivering that when I'm just giving you creative work that you can argue either way back and forth is good or not good. So it was a relief getting into the conversion side of things. Yeah. And um, where did your, or where did, or maybe I should say where are, like your clients? Because so you were from the States, mm-hmm. you moved to Israel, you've stayed in Israel. So where where would you say your work is? So I mostly work Eastern time um, because I'm with my kids during the day. So I work afternoons, evenings. Um, so that actually is a huge benefit for me being on a different time zone means that I can have, have like the the beginning part of my day be more family focused and then the end of my day is more work focused. Um, so yeah, most in New York, although right now, currently I have some Australian and Singapore clients and it's throwing me off so much because all of a sudden they're ahead of me. So it's, it's, uh, it's been uh, interesting, just kind of like all the time zones everywhere, you know, just juggling everything. So yeah, but the, the Eastern time zone or even, you know, LA, basically, you know, American time zones works out really nicely for me in terms of, you know, the work-life balance that I yeah. enjoy so much about freelancing. Yeah, no, that's great. I want to talk about your website because it seems like it's really well set up well, in many ways, but for filtering through leads, like it, it seems to minimize people getting in contact with you yes. until absolutely <laughs> necessary. So it's, it's, funny it's actually <laughs> really hard to get in touch with you. Is that why everyone reaches out by LinkedIn? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's a stroke of genius. Um, I mean, I thought not having my phone number anywhere was like a good move, but it's really hard to find you. So, no, no, but talk me through that. Has it always been that way? How did you get to where, where, where it's at? So that's actually really funny because when I was looking for a designer to redo my site, I was talking to one designer and she said, no, 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 you're doing this all wrong. Nobody does websites like this. You can't do this. <laughs> So I said, okay, you're not the designer for me. (laughs) Um, So originally I just had a, yeah, pretty typical website, I think. Um, I mean, you know, it was, you know, copy written and and proper and all that. Um, But it was just, you know, your typical, uh, you know, home services about that kind of thing. And when I shifted into email, I realized that I really wanted people to see email (laughs) um, instead of just 
regular copy. I wanted them to see the difference between email and, and kind of sell myself through the emails. Um, especially also a lot of the clients that I work with, they are big proponents of the product led model, which is, you know, that you give a free trial that you let people try out the software first, and then they are sold on it uh, with, you know, the support of, of email and, and the copy and all that. And, you know, you're giving them a taste of that first. So I really liked that model. And I, I was trying to figure out how I can give that sort of trial-like experience to my clients. Um, I also really did not like giving out samples because a lot of times with samples, a client will read a sample and think, oh, that's not that's not the way I want to sound. Uh, so this is not a fit. Whereas all the work is based on the customer research for that specific client. And it's so hard for them to pull themselves out of the picture and, and see oh, no, 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 that voice is not going to work for you. I would never write in that voice for you. Um, so I saw that samples kind of muddied the, that a lot. Um, so I really wanted this like trial experience and then it, that would kind of serve as the sample instead. Um, so yeah, when you land on the page, um, you are directed immediately to sign up for a sort of free trial kind of thing um, where you get to see the email sequence that I put together for my leads. Um, and I also knew just from myself and from my network of copywriters that a lot of people love looking at copywriter sites to learn from them as copywriters. Um, so I knew that as well. So at the bottom, there's a little section. It speaks directly to the copywriter like, oh, you're trying to learn from me as a copywriter. Here, sign up for my email list and I will send you, uh, you know, my newsletter about, you know, just different things that are happening in the email world. And also knowing that people will be signing up for the free trial, even though they're not leads, to kind of spy on the free trial as well. Um, because I, I do that too, <laughs> for every one of them. Um, so, so that's kind of like the homepage of it. Um, and then you can skip into the services if you want to, but it's harder. Um, so I really want you going through the trial first and then the trial directs you to the other pages within the website where you can see the services, where it talks about my credentials, um, things like that. So that's kind of the, the structure of it. And so far, the only downside I see is, first of all, I get a lot of LinkedIn messages. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. It's fun. Um, is, is really just like Google SEO stuff. It's, it's not great from that perspective, but that doesn't bother me so much because it's not really, um, you know, kind of my, my focus is not really building up content and trying to win at SEO. So yeah, that was the strategy behind the website. Yeah, because even if like you click on, and by the way, there's always links at beingfreelance.com. So you, you should go through <laughs> and check out Nikki's website and see what I mean. Even if you click on contact, uh, it's like, um, I would, I, this is one way that I could have got in touch with you to invite you on this podcast, is to join your email list. Because in that, I would get secret access to an email address that you check about once a week. Even that I love. I'm not, I'm not, this is an email address I don't often check, but if you really want to email me, it's so good. Uh, it's funny. I really, um, I take my relationship with my list very seriously and I was trying to figure out like, okay, I want to be able to respond to all of them. I really do because, you know, they're, they're taking the time to respond to me. So how can I make this work? So I carve out one day where I actually will respond to everybody who emails me. But at the same time, I know that I can't be checking my email all day for everybody because um, that's just such a huge distraction for me. So it happens to be that email, that inbox actually is checked every day, just not by me. I go in and check it once a week. 
but um, but yeah, and there also is a little uh, drift icon on the bottom of the website where you could also chat in to my team. So that's that's another option. <laughs> How good is Nikki? Back with her story in a moment, but I also want to say thank you to Hrefs for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd love to get more Google traffic, half the battle is understanding what you need to fix on your site. But Steve, what I'm really after is a tool which will crawl my site, figure out what's wrong, and then give me easy solutions as to how to fix it. What? <laughs> what's more, I want it to be free. Yes, you can. <laughs> Little over the top, maybe. Um, Hrefs uh, is there to save you on this one. Hrefs Webmaster Tools. It really is free. Uh, go to hrefs.com slash awt that's a-h-r-e-f-s dot com slash awt and you'll find out what all the fuss is about hrefs webmaster tools um help you analyze and then fix so that you get more seo juice to your website it's not the only way to get people to your website as we've just heard from nikki but why not give yourself the best chance that you can check it out hrefs.com slash awt or of course click the link in the show notes to this episode right now though let's get back to hearing from nikki albaz so you mentioned a team so who do you have so that's been a kind of interesting process trying to grow um you know beyond just myself so that's um mostly just a project manager and another writer um and the search to find another writer is proving like to be a really interesting learning experience (laughs) So right now it's just the three of us, um, and I, I'm trying to grow it to a fourth, but it's it's hard to get that commitment of, uh, you know, for me, I'm saying for me to commit to, okay, I want you to join my team, and I want to be able to promise you enough work and, and, and have you be part of the team to just take that leap is hard mentally, emotionally. Yeah. And how did you find, so, I mean, obviously it sounds like it's tricky finding somebody else mm-hmm. like that. To know that they would do it the way that you would do it. Yeah, she's a total godsend. <laughs> um, she's amazing in every way. Both of them actually are, are, you know, even the project manager, you would think that role is an easy role to fill. And I think she was my fifth try. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that just says that I'm hard. <laughs> to I'm, I'm picky. Um, but... Yeah, it definitely, it takes some iteration. It takes some, it, it also took, yeah, it took some iteration on my end to um, work through exactly how to train people, how to gauge whether things are working or not. Um, so, yeah, that definitely was an uh, interesting experience as well. Yeah, um, that is interesting because sometimes I do hear about people, you know, like they think, okay, I'm going to try this outsourcing thing or, mm-hmm. you know, or building a team <laughs> or whatever, however you want to phrase it. But then they get disappointed and they're like, oh, so that didn't work. Do I now give up or do mm-hmm. I try again? But, I mean, you were still going at the fifth one, which suggests. <laughs> like, so what, what would you say were the sort of, sort of key things that you learned that worked in, in building a team? I think the number, number, number one thing that I learned is that it's really important to be upfront and honest from day one, where I'm... I was way too nice with all of them. And I, I I never said anything. Anytime there were any disappointments, it was always, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, don't worry. I know, I get it. It's fine. Um, and it is fine and it was fine. But there should have also been like, oh yeah, that was an inconvenience. Or uh, like even saying it to you is so hard for me. Um, 
to to just you know be upfront when mistakes happen, how they affect the business and how they yeah how, how they affected things. Um, because I had to uh, you know reach the point with one of them that it wasn't working anymore. And there was just no warning because I was so nice the whole time. Um, so that was such a hard firing to do because I knew that it was coming with no warning. That's really hard. I, you know, I, I was in that position with the agency. It's a really, it's not a place where you want to be. Um, so, so that was definitely my number one lesson. And then number two is to actually try to trust your gut because a lot of times I saw red flags and I just ignored them because I wanted it to work. I, I liked the person or I liked a certain aspect about them. Um, and I, I really just, I, I forced it to work and it, it just didn't. So I would think those are my two biggest learnings. Where do your clients come from today? Mostly LinkedIn, mm. uh, word of mouth, Probably my biggest still, which is so funny because that's where they also came from in the, not the very beginning, but pretty much the beginning. And it's funny because I've been doing all this authority building work and it's still consistently, that's where the leads are for me. And I, I don't think that the authority building has not helped. I think it definitely makes the closing easier. I think it makes people notice me on LinkedIn more easily than if they I hadn't built up authority but it's just interesting to see that it hasn't changed that the platforms haven't changed so it's very interesting mm. what have you done to build authority as you put it um you know guest posts and uh webinars um you know kind of just you know things uh, beyond just a social media profile where i'm talking partnerships for ebooks things like that so you'd be proactively reaching out to sort of speak on or write on emails and how they can help a business that sort of thing yeah but ultimately that's kind of it it does that job of building authority but the work is still coming through through the same thing so when, maybe when, when, because when, i make it so okay. hard to get people into my website <laughs> that's why everyone come through LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah although that's the thing though is that you know i could discover you on linkedin for example mm-hmm. But then be intrigued and go to your website mm-hmm. and then get get into ah, your that's email. Point too. You know, attribution. That's that's the thing. Mm. It's so hard to find attribution. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to the actual work, do you have long term projects? Like, is how do you sort of filter through all of these leads? Figure out when to do them, if to do them. Like, um, if it feels like what you do you know isn't like a quick thing that you just spin out for example so how do you manage the projects and your time in that way yeah um so it's it's also yeah as i started building a team and outsourcing more it also became how exactly are we structuring everything now like am i just handing off a full project to you and you you know you interface with the client and you run the project and you do the work do i interface with the client and you do the work do, uh, you know, we do kind of mix of everything. Um, and we've kind of experimented with all of those. I am very big on anyone who does any work for me. Um, the client knows about it. The client meets with them. Um, and it's, you know, it, even if you are subcontracting one project, you are part of my team and you are a known entity. There's no, you know, secrets here. Um, and, you know, on both ends, that's, you know, the subcontractor gets to, talk about the project and that the client knows that there's other people on the work. Um, 
So that's actually a flaw of my website is I haven't updated it since building on more people. Um, so that's always an interesting thing to add to the sales calls is to mention, okay, there's more people involved. Um, mm. But yeah, we've kind of played with a lot of different things and it will depend a lot on the client, the industry, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, if for example, uh, an e-commerce client, they just need a lot of promos for each holiday. So Maybe initially I'll do the research and then I'll feel very confident handing that off to um, somebody to just knock the actual writing out because it's just a matter of shifting the messaging from holiday promo to a different holiday promo. Or the other person will be doing the research and then I'll be doing the writing. We kind of played with everything and I think I like that it's different for every project because we really get to play to the strengths of each person and also honor everything that's going on in our lives and our schedules. And okay, you have time for this now and I have time for this now. Like it's really nice to be able to have everyone be on kind of equal footing and be able to shift responsibilities around based on all of those things. So work-life balance was obviously important to you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it's going well. And it's certainly in that terms of the time zone that you mentioned earlier that it's, is, how does it feel? <laughs> so I have a friend who said a great quote to me once. She said, balance is a verb. It's not a noun. You will always be shifting and you will always mm. be, sometimes you're in balance, sometimes you're out of balance, sometimes you have to refigure new things out. Um, and I've really found that this entire seven and a half years or whatever it's been, I don't think there's been six months where things were the same schedule-wise. Like, I'm always shifting things. You know, some, you know, uh, let's say the first year I was working in the mornings. The second year I was working in the afternoons. The third year, like, things are always changing schedule-wise for, for a number of different reasons. And because I prioritize my family, then I, I, I do have to be able to be flexible and allow whatever works to work. What would you say has been the biggest challenge then of being freelance? Probably the loneliness of it. Um, I really, really enjoyed working in an agency with people around me, um, especially in a more creative, collaborative kind of field. It's, it's hard to just be you and your computer in the office all day. So that's probably been work-wise the hardest and you build up a network and you have slack groups and all that but it's just not the same um which is why i really liked working for copy hackers um and i still i still wouldn't trade it but i would love this kind of like i don't know hybrid model where maybe i just need to bring everyone into my house like okay who wants to come work with me <laughs> <laughs> well maybe one day when, when the kids are a... <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna rub them and they're gonna work for me <laughs> yeah that's true that's not a bad idea and also, I'm intrigued about the, um, it sounded like being part of a mastermind mm -hmm. made a real difference. To, well, a very oh, yes. big difference. To Huge. You. Have you continued to be part of that kind of thing as your business has grown? Not perhaps grown, developed mm -hmm. over the years? No, I believe that was the only one. I know that I was very actively looking to continue afterwards because I saw what a difference it made. Um, even though, by the way, Joanna, who was running it, she said, we have seen so often every time that we run it, that when you're in it, you're not actually doing as much as after it's over, then all of a sudden, 
you take everything we told you and, and put it to work. And, and that's when we see such amazing changes. So it's actually the six months after that are most effective. Um, so I was very much looking and I just didn't find anything that was the right fit. Then I kind of joined a few Slack groups that gave me good support. Um, I have an accountability partner now who we meet once a week and, uh, we used to kind of just like check in and see, you know, okay, did you do your homework? Did you do your homework and kind of chat about it a little bit? Uh, and now we've kind of shifted to work sessions, which is really nice. So I've kind of found other replacements because I didn't find a good mastermind opportunity. You know, I almost actually joined another one very recently and it felt too much of a time commitment. It felt like I would be spending so much time to learn some things or to get the network that it wouldn't actually equal out, um, that I could be using the time without the mastermind to gain the same things. It was just a matter of actually carving that time out. So I do think that the, the Slack groups and the like-minded communities, as long as they're tight-knit enough, can fill that networking opportunity kind of thing if you've already reached a place where you're confident and you you already know what you want and you have enough goals and all that kind of thing. I, I really think that masterminds are really important if you're still figuring things out, if you kind of want to up-level your network. But I think once you have, then to then shell out six months of your time and thousands of dollars, I don't know that the dividends would be as high for your initial mastermind. So where did you get your uh, or find your accountability partner? Uh, in one of these Slack groups. Who who approached who? <laughs> like, how, how did you find each other? She posted in one of the channels saying that she wanted an accountability partner. So I said, okay, I'm game. Let's do it. <laughs> Amazing. And, <laughs> and so when you say you check in each week, do you do it like over Zoom or you do it just within the Slack? Yeah, in actual like Just Zoom. by text. Oh, yeah. No, homework, uh, checking off homework, it needs to be like real accountability. <laughs> face to face. Oh, yes. Yeah. Did you really do it, though? <laughs> Don't give me any of this emoji text stuff. <laughs> so how long do you chat each week? This sounds nice. I like this. Yeah, it's really nice. So we we originally were doing like 20 minutes, and then it kind of morphed into, uh, you know, 40 minutes, an hour, and we realized we both actually just enjoy checking in and talking to people. Um, and that's kind of when it shifted into a work session where we saw, you know, okay, we're, you know, we're spending a nice hour with each other. Let's see if we can kind of enjoy the same collaboration and camaraderie and, and talking with each other, but also not just you know, spend an hour talking, but actually also accomplish some work as well. So we've just, just started this. So I can't say how well it's going to work long term. <laughs> we might end up but, talking too much. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but how, how does that, like, say so what, you leave your cameras on and then say, right, I'm going to work on this and I'll chat to you in an hour or? Yeah. And if we want to turn them off, we can turn them off. If we, you know, we have a question in the middle, you know, just very informal. So can you hear them like tap tapping away? No, mute, mute, mute. <laughs> On mute. So they might not hear if I get up and creep over to the fridge and open it up and <laughs> they won't hear the hacking of the cheese. <laughs> oh, that sounds really nice. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now, Nikki, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What okay. do you have for me? All right. The first one is that I homeschool my kids. The second one is I started in design originally. 
uh, for realizing that what I really liked about design was the copy aspect of it, and then I shifted to copywriting. And the third one is that I am a lefty, and that affects the way I set up my desk. You homeschool your kids, Mm -hmm. you did design before copywriting, and you're a lefty. And what, okay, what was it about being left-handed that does something... It affects the way I set up my office, which is really nice because when you work in an office, you don't really get to have a say in how you set things up. But when you work at home or in your own office, you can set things up however you want. Uh, I've never. Well, of course I haven't because there's me (laughs) in my right handed (laughs) privileged way. My son is left handed. I've never thought about this, though. So like when I set up his desk, I put the lamp on the right side. Are you perhaps saying the lamp should be on the left side? Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds true. Unless, you know, the lie here is the fact that actually you are heavily anti anything left handed for some <laughs> weird reason. Right. What could be the opposite of that? Okay. To design you worked in design before I mean that could be true because you started your story just at the agency copywriting but it makes sense that maybe you did something before that. Homeschool your kids how old are they? Eight, six Four in a year and a half. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we never got to that. Eight, oh, yeah. six, four and a year and a half. Yes. You're not kidding that you could create your own agency. <laughs> oh, we're going to dominate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, that is a handful. But could you homeschool all four at the same time of those ages? Oh, it's difficult, you know, because some people were just very good at the homeschool thing. Mine just goes back to the pandemic when I was forced to do it for t- two years. It seemed like. <laughs> I don't, as well as running a business and keeping the house going. That was the thing that kind of. OK, I reckon the lefty is true. Okay. The design almost it almost feels too, <laughs> don't be offended, feels too boring not to be true. <laughs> okay. like, it feels like that should be true so do and yet i believe you know people do homeschool their kids but do you could you do four i don't think you could do all four i reckon that has to be the lie i reckon you're amazing you get so much done i can see that with the way you run your business but could you also homeschool four kids of differing i don't think you could that has to be the lie all right i am very flattered (laughs) it's not the lie (laughs) no way oh my gosh Wow, hats off to you. Thank you. Yeah. So what's the lie? You're not left-handed. I'm not left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well done. That was great. <laughs> now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Learn client management. There's so much out there. Um, and I totally didn't know at all. And it took so much out of me in the beginning. That was just so hard, all the client management stuff. So that's probably what I would tell myself. But I also think that any advice you give your younger self, your younger self's not going to listen because <laughs> you just need to make your own mistakes yourself. <laughs> and or, or maybe you listen a little bit, but... I don't know. Anytime I get advice, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. You don't value it as much as when you really go through the pain of it and see, like, oh, oh okay, this is bad. <laughs> so I've got a feeling that you wouldn't tell your younger self anything, but instead you'd make them sign up to an email list. <laughs> With then, client management tips. <laughs> and then, yeah, drip sequence them in. 
um, when you say that you struggled with client management, in, in what way and what made it better? Experience and being exposed to other freelancers who were doing it well, who had boundaries and you know, when I, I had this one client who we were leaving on vacation and we were cleaning out our apartment to sublet it out. And I had the client on the phone while I'm trying to juggle all of this. And they were, you know, making these like nitty gritty changes to this copy that I made. And then the designer was getting involved and everything. And the project was supposed to have been wrapped up weeks before. And it was just dragging on. And it was just, that was like the moment where I realized like I have no boundaries. It was like nine o'clock at night, you know, and they knew it. And it was just, it was just so much at once. And I just, after all that and seeing other people do it with boundaries and proper processes and, you know, the clients being aware of this, uh, it just, it was very eye opening and it, it would have shaped, saved me a lot of emotional uh, <laughs> fun. <laughs> mm. Oh, Nikki, it's been so interesting. Really great to talk to you. Yeah. Go to beingfreelance.com. Like I mentioned, there are links through so you can go check out what Nikki is doing online. And uh, that's at beingfreelance.com, where, of course, you'll also find a transcript for this as, as well as show notes. And, of course, over 270-odd episodes now. Nice. So there's plenty for you to get into the blog, the community, and if you're new to freelancing, the course as well. Oh, and the, the new fashion house line, you know, so if you want to get yourself uh, blatantly being freelance logoed up which is this summer's must-have look Nikki. you can get that as well at beingfreelance.com but for now thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you so there is nikki how lovely was she hope you enjoyed that if you did please do reach out to her you can find links, as I mentioned, at beingfreelance.com, where you'll also find the community. Click that link, come join us. And if you know someone who is thinking of going freelance or has maybe done it in the past year, please do point them in the direction of the Being Freelance course. It will make a difference. They'll thank you for it. I'll thank you for it too, but, you know. Um, go to beingfreelance.com and click the link through to the course and all the details are there. It's helping so many people. I wish I could have used it when I started. Do take a look. It's beingfreelance.com and then click on the link to the course. Okay, I'm out of here. I'll see you soon. Have a great week. Being Freelance.